Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast preview show, the show that we do on a Friday precisely to do what the title says, to preview the match at the weekend. But, of course, being the Fancast, there's more to it than that, as you will find out in a minute. And, uh, of course, uh, I am Stamford Chidge, uh, and I put all this little thing together with the help of some very long-suffering friends. Um, well, actually, usually I have a I have what is commonly known in show business a sidekick. I don't know, maybe there's another word for it too. Uh, but the hinge to my bracket, i.e. Mr. Jonathan Kidd, is uh, what we call in the show business running fashionably late. So he may or may not turn up in about 15, 20 minutes, but we shall see. But do not fear. We uh, also There's always a third person on the show for these very reasons. It would be very dull if it was just me talking for an hour. And it will be brilliant tonight because uh, I've got my great friend, editor of the Chelsea Fancast, presenter of his own podcast now. The wonderful uh, Went to Mo King's Meadow, which comes out every Tuesday on our platform. It's the lovely Dean Mears. Good evening, Chich. How you doing? I'm, well, I'm, I'm absolutely running on air, it being the end of the week. But I'm armed with a Guinness, a pint of Guinness. I shall be OK. And there's, as always, mate, loads to discuss. Uh, so let's let's get straight into it. Um, yeah, so we had the Krasnodar or the Krasnodar. I can't, I still can't say that bloody name. Those that team from South Russia, right? Krasnodar. Oh well, that's even better. See, there you go. Ask the ex- experts. So we had them on Tuesday night. Um, bottom line was, you know, uh, it was a it was a bit of a, a meaningless match, wasn't it? Really, but I mean, Frank put. <coughs> excuse me, it's going all Bob Fleming already, right? Yeah, it's a bit of a meaningless match. Um, I thought the Frank, Frank, the fact that Frank, you know, completely changed the side. I mean, it was only Havertz and uh, Kovacic really were playing from the regular start. I suppose you know Tammy, you could you could claim was there in that capacity too. Of course, the key thing really was was not the the dirt trackers, you know, the second string uh, members of the squad, you know, the, the, those that aren't getting much of a game time. Emerson, Jorginho, Rudiger, for example. The fact was that he was starting Billy Gilmore, which we all expected, but really brilliantly. And, and I mean, I know it was it was heavily, you know, teased before, wasn't it? But Tino Andering got a start. But the great thing was they were the best two players on the pitch, in my humble opinion. Yeah, it's great to see, you know, these young players don't just sort of come to the first team and sort of get caught in the headlights, so to speak. They um, you know, stand up and, and deliver and showcase their their talents. And you know, I'm not one to watch much of the academy, but did watch the um, the FA Youth Cup final and, and Andrew when he come on was you know head and shoulders above everyone on the pitch for Chelsea. You can see he's got that um, bit about him and he was able to showcase some of that talent um, against Krasnodar. So um, I wouldn't be too surprised if he's on the bench this weekend and maybe get some more minutes depending on how the match goes. Well, that that is definitely something that I want to you know pick up later because I think there's there's an added pertinency to that which we will. We will certainly discuss. But I, I was impressed with him. I mean, I know he, he got a couple of games last season, didn't he? But I didn't, don't think he really had much chance to to show what he can do. And, I, I you know, I, I'm ashamed to say I'm not a, a, a big watcher of the youth team. Um, I mean, there was a time when I would go, actually, when they used to get to the kind of finals and things. They'd be at Stamford Bridge. But I just don't have enough hours in the day, people. Sorry, got other things to do, like earn a living. But... Um, I was impressed. I mean, he, you know, I tell you what, you know, like so many of this crop that are coming through, he just doesn't look phased by it. He doesn't look out of his depth. He looks comfortable. He looks at home playing at that level with those players. And 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 I also like the fact that he didn't show much fear. You know, he he did some brilliant, uh, some brilliant little kind of interplay between, you know, him and Havertz and so on. I, I was impressed with that. Yeah, I think that's a key change in having sort of. Jody Morris and Joe Edwards as part of the first team coaching staff that um, these youth players are being geared up now to to play for Chelsea rather than to become professional footballers, which they were before. You know, the, the goal has always been to you know get these players on loan and, and get them sold, so to speak, and then use that funds to buy you know top talent for the first team. But now there's there is a pathway, and the best of the best of that academy crop will make it, and they're being geared up for that, and having coaches that have worked with them in their youth careers and, and know all about bringing youth players through is, a, is an added bonus for, for everybody. Yeah, totally agree with that. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, somebody we saw a lot, a lot of uh, last season was Billy Gilmore. And, you know, I, I think that Billy Gilmore 
is an absolute diamond of a player. I really, really do. I mean, my own view, as you probably know, was that um, had he not got that injury towards the end of the season, he probably, you know, would have would have been getting. I think I think Frank was happy to you know get him regularly playing first team football, you know, uh, in spite of who else was around him. So I mean, I think jo- I think Jorginho would have been in more jeopardy had Gilmore not got injured and of course the interesting question now we saw them both on the pitch at the same time now I know I know that a lot of the you know we've all been there we've all played football but I can I can imagine the mentality of the likes of Emerson and Jorginho etc etc they, they're thinking oh well for god's sake it's not really a game I want to be playing in it's gonna it's me we're already through you know what have I got to prove so they're immediately going in with a slightly maybe unconsciously duff mentality and you've got Billy Gilmore going in there with everything to prove still, really hungry because he's missed missed so many games recently. But I just wonder, after what we saw on Tuesday and what we knew about what was happening before, whether he may well be ahead of the pe- in, of Jorginho in the pecking order at the moment. I think Jorginho has got the the benefit of being you know, more of a leader. He's had the armband, and, and he's a experience. good player too, Dean. Let's yeah. not forget, you know, a brilliant player. But I think. Two things that Gilmore's got going for him that Jorginho probably doesn't is he's got that bite, that tackle. You know, when he played, I was at the FA Cup game against Liverpool when he made that debut. And he was superb and he was, you know, getting stuck in and making those challenges. And I think, you know, Frank's been looking for his players to do that a bit more. And I've seen that in Mason Mount as well recently. And secondly, he can play as a six, as an eight, as a 10, because he's done that for his youth career. You know, he's played further forward. He's not been a sort of deep line playmaker's in Jorginho's mode, but he can play there and he can play further forward. So, you know, if you're looking for versatility, which I think Frank is with all these all these players, then yeah, I think he does get a shout ahead of Jorginho now. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, his, his all-round game is quite something. I don't, I don't know about you, but I mean, every time he got... I mean, actually, because Krasnodor, Krasnodor, whatever you want to call them, they were a bit... They were a bit... I mean, should we... I'll be kind and say physical. You know, but I did wince every time you know Billy Billy G got involved in close mortal combat. You know, I think no, don't don't kick him; he'll get injured. You know, I, I don't know. It's funny, isn't it? Get a bit paternal about it, really. But I mean, because he's 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 small, he's tiny, really, isn't he? I mean, he's tough as nails. He's a proper Glasgow boy. But I do worry about that, and and I just wonder if he he needs to bulk up a bit. Yeah, I think that will come sort of with with age and and time in in the gym. You know. He's not afraid to put those tackles in, though, and that's that's the main thing. When no you go fear. Into them, if you go into them challenges half-hearted, that's when you are going to get um, injuries and stuff like that. But he's, you know, like you said, no fear, and he'll put his mm. foot in there a hundred times out of a hundred, and, and that's why supporters love him. Yeah, I mean, I I I do. I mean, I I I loved him. I mean, I had I really didn't know much about him before he turned up. Uh, and then he got in the side, and I absolutely loved him. I mean, you know, I mean, somebody put a brilliant tweet out this week, but, I mean, he, you know, he, he started against Liverpool in the Cup last season. He got man of the match, and he was, without a shadow of a doubt, man of the match. He got man of the match in his first Premier League uh, uh, perform uh, appearance. And, again, absolutely man of the match against Everton when we stuffed him 4-0. One of the best performances of last season, it should be said. And in his debut in the Champions League, he was again man of the match. I mean, it's 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 fantastic. What more can you you say about this kid? I think he's brilliant. Yeah, superb. And a lot of um, sort of there was a tweet as well from when he signed, you know, questioning Chelsea about paying half a million for a fifteen-year-old. And there's a lot of um, Rangers fans on there actually saying that at the time they thought that you know, they had been robbed of of Gilmore for that price, and Chelsea had got a bargain and you know, proved that they, they were right and. You know, those doubting were wrong because he's, he's a superb first-team Chelsea player now, for sure. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Now, um, you, you you weren't at that one, were you, on Tuesday? You were you were at the Leeds match. Yeah, Leeds, not um, yeah. not the Champions League. Yeah, I mean, it was quite interesting again. It was interesting to see the the number. I, I don't know. I kind of thought the atmosphere wasn't as good as it was on on uh, the Saturday, but I think, in a sense, that's understandable. The novelty maybe had worn off. In, an entirely different. 2000 fans of course because you know once you've been you're not allowed to go back until they ask you back um i was tickled to hear kath doing a zigzagger unmistakable <laughs> anybody who's ever been in a pub or on a ground near her when she's done the zigzagger and will know it was kath i thought that was brilliant did you hear that uh, i picked it up a little bit i didn't have the volume too loud but um 
Yeah, you you didn't need to have out. the volume too loud. Yeah. It came through loud and clear, mate. <laughs> but uh, but that was brilliant. Well, I mean, you know, I think the reality is, I mean, it was intriguing. You know, whilst I was watching the game, I had my eye. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you've ever ever got. I tell you what, mate. If you if you ever want to get a good app on the football, and I mean, I'm not even getting paid by these buggers to say this. It is it's really that good. But you want to get hold of uh, this one, Flash. Uh, f- hang on, Flash Score, right? This app here, it is the bollocks, mate. Because it, it, it because it's a betting app, effectively. All the games are absolutely, uh, they, you know, the, the way they time it, it's the exact to the second. So if you want, like, the instant, you know, the goal, and you want to know instantly, it tells you where everything else is, like, either, well, usually delayed, isn't it? Um, so I was actually kind of watching a lot of what was going on in the other European games to give us an idea who we might be facing. Because it's really, it's really quite interesting, you know, we're all quite happy that we've we've romped the group, which we have. I think we've been brilliant in this Champions League, qualifi- you know, uh, group stage. Um, we've had a, we've had a bit of trouble in recent times, but I, I, we, this looked like kind of, you know, Mourinho era and a bit later Chelsea, just kind of steamrolling through the group, finishing top, no problem. Um, and of course, we're all quite happy about that because it means you're supposed to get a a lesser team in the round of sixteen. But if I tell you who we might potentially get. Dean, and if I see you wander off and decide to go and do something else, I'll understand why. Um, Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, Borussia Mönchengladbach, Porto, Atalanta, Lazio and RB Leipzig. We could face any one of those. And the funniest thing of all, I think it was on Football London, I read, I think there's somewhere this week. Apparently we have an 18.6% chance of drawing Leipzig. How the hell they figure that shit out, I do not know. But, it, but there's a good chance of us getting a, a German team. Obviously, yeah, I think um, the obvious one stands out is obviously Barcelona. Um, I wouldn't be too surprised if they get drawn out. But you know, the way we've been playing and the quality that we've got, you know, there's not. I think only Atletico Madrid is the one I wouldn't want to face out of all those teams. I'd still fancy us against anyone else. Yeah, I mean, it's in. It's. I mean, it, exactly. I think that's the thing, isn't it? If I look at that on paper and I start shitting myself, but. Barcelona are mid-table at the moment. Got beaten three nil. Um, Lord knows, I can't. By Juventus, wasn't it? I think. Yeah. They got beaten three nil at home. They are uh, Messi's still having a moody all the time. So they're in a bit of trouble, basically, for Barcelona. So maybe a good time to play them. Uh, I mean, and of course, all the all the links that you know with the matches that Frank played against them in the past. That'd be a real humdinger. Atletico Madrid. I just wonder if they're you know, kind of past their best because they've been a very, very, very good team. But I wonder if they're still a very, very good team. Yeah, I think they've on the the downward trajectory of their of their sort of power of a, as a European team. You know, Simeone built um, a classic Mourinho-like side, mm. um, very strong, solid defensively. But again, with all the Spanish teams, they seem to have um, gone off the boil a bit, haven't they? Yeah, hit a wall a bit and. You know, it's the German teams and that are sort of coming through and taking over the scene at, at yeah. the minute. I don't know much about Munch and Gladbach. I have to be honest. Um, Porto, you know what you're going to get. I mean, they can be dangerous, but you should be able to beat them. Atalanta, again, for me, an unknown quantity, but they did manage to beat Liverpool at Anfield. So they're no slouches if they can do that. And you know what Italian teams are like. They're, they're wily Lazio, I think, are probably a. I think they're a decent team actually, and they've got a real, you know, a, a real motivation about them this season. I think being back in the Champions League, you know, that they could be tough opponents. And again, there's there's great uh, linkage with Frank from his playing days. I think one of the best. Uh, I think it might have even been under Ranieri actually, but we we went over there and we won something like four nil. Brilliant game. You remember that? Yeah, yeah, that was um, under Ranieri. I think. Um... Uh, James, uh, the Twitter account that posted a lot of videos, shared that recently. Mm. Um, yeah, a big memory. And there was the Embassy Canada. Fag Packet kit as well. Yeah, I think it? both Italian teams yeah. on their day, uh, good football teams, and they will cause us um, a lot of trouble if they if they turn up. Even though they might not have the quality that we've got, they're, they're really good football teams, and on their day they can beat anybody. Indeed, um, the other team that I, you know. I think probably arguably the best team really is Leipzig. I mean, although they, they it was a weird match that they played against United, 
because they were so far ahead and they still let them back in, which was criminal. I mean, you could say that we've got their best player in Timo Werner. And one, but they, you know, I think they, they are, I mean, I think the point is, is that none of them are to be feared. Quite a few of them are to be respected. Yeah, I think having someone in charge that has been through this, you know, so many times knows, you know, you can't take your foot off the gas for one second in this competition. And he wouldn't let his players do so. And we're in a much stronger position this year than we were last year. So, you know, like you said, no one to fear, but. You know, plenty to respect. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who we get. Oh my God, <laughs> I, I, I breaking news, people, breaking news, because uh, as you know, we we now do this all on Zoom these days. And as I did tell you, Jonathan was running a bit late. He's turned up, like he's about to read the news uh, circa 1930 on the BBC. You're wearing hello. a dinner suit, why? Uh, hello, I fancied wearing this because it was an occasion I was dealing with my... Uh, my father-in-law, who was doing a Zoom meeting to the Rotary Club, and he wanted me to read in a few things, so I felt I would wear this this costume. I'm not wearing any trousers. Though. I was going to say I was going to ask you to stand up to see if the rumor about newsreaders is true that they wear Absolutely a dinner jacket correct. and that they they got nothing on underneath. Well, there's no need. You can't see my lower parts. Okay. As it were. I think I'm quite grateful for that. Anyway, dear old thing, how are you? Great, thank you, thank you. It was um, it was all a bit chaotic, but um, as I thought it would be, but uh, um. Uh, I got a few plugs in for my dad's book, good, so it was, uh, it was quite nice. It's, uh, that's the that's the target audience. Now you, you've come at an opportune time because we talked about all the boring stuff about the Krasnodar game and stuff, which I was at. Uh, well, that's what I was going to say. We didn't. I mean, Dean wasn't there. Obviously, I wasn't. So, and I, and I, you and I had a little chat the other day about this. Yeah, so, yeah, would did, you like to tell us what your experience of it was? Uh, it was fabulous, yeah, fabulous and emotional. And uh, the club were. Um, I mean, the tickets may have been unbelievably expensive, but the amount of care that they took i sort of really understood actually what it was about because they were um there were huge numbers of staff dealing with covid and you had to go through um uh, little marquees where they would uh, 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 insist that you used hand sanitizer and uh, uh, and and put your mask on and wear a mask well everybody came in with masks um and uh, they'd all been to charm school i was really, really impressed i was even frisked in a way that i've never been frisked before normally you have to pay no hey normally i'm straight in there but in this instance the i was taken by surprise this chap came up and said he said excuse me would it be all right to look inside your jacket i said oh very charming very charmingly put thank you very much but um no it was it was um it was actually a very joyous experience there was a kind of feeling with all the staff with everybody that and and the camaraderie in the seats where um, we were back doing something that we all absolutely loved, and uh, and I, I was I was quite emotional. I was taken aback by. Um, I mean, being me, I, I went out there early and had to get permission to sit in my seat for the game because I didn't particularly want. I was, you know, you're sitting on your own, and because um, you're you're socially distanced in the in the restaurant, and uh, you know, I'm asthmatic. I didn't particularly want to sit there with other people not wearing masks, which none of them were. Um, but all the staff were wearing masks, but everybody was charming. And I had to get permission from three layers, three levels of people just to sit in my seat um, uh, with, a, with a coffee, which I, which I did do um, uh, for an hour and was treated to, uh, to both sides, both squads warming up, which I had really hadn't much of an idea. I don't ever get there early enough. Don't watch them enough. But uh, um, I'm watching Kepper going through his paces and um, watching, uh, watching the opposition playing all these little, little, um, quick passing drills and the person who is piggy in the middle, you know, to try and intercept it. And it was, uh, I was just, I reveled in it, Chidge uh, and, and Dean. I absolutely, I, I just loved going in there, um, seeing the ground. All right. It's got nobody in it, um, but it's, it's nonetheless, it was just so great to be back there. And what was lovely in the seats was because there are only 2000 people in there. Um, uh, every, every, everything you start off gets, gets accepted and repeated by all the uh, by everybody else so shed in shed in give us a song they give you a song um west Ham, west Ham, give us a song we give them a song because we're all here and we do it and everybody goes Way! at the end of it and i just started off rather pathetically up there just everybody around me were just they and it was followed up round round below me in the west stand and into the into the shed end and i thought 
guy must come again if possible only 2,000. I've never, never been this popular. The thing that you've discovered, JK, is how lovely it is to sit with the proletariat rather no, than no, the, no, the it champagne bubble. There we go. No, John, no, JK, I, I, I'm going to have to wrap you up because we've got Gavin, say, we've got oh, Gavin I, waiting. When I go away, Chidge, I sit with them and I'm happy. I just I know. Them. I'm only... God, you're so sensitive, aren't you? Just, no, I wasn't. I'm just give, him a, like give him a dinner jacket and he gets all sensitive. I don't know. Oh, thank you. Uh, anyway, um, as I was just about to say, we've obviously got our opposition view coming up in part two, and I'm delighted to say we've got the absolutely lovely Gavin Buckland, who is to Everton what Paul Dutton is to Chelsea. In other words, he is the official statistician, so he will come armed with lots of knowledge, I am in no doubt. So, Das Leben kann hektisch sein. Warum nicht dem Alltag entfliehen? Und in die magische Welt von Evermerge eintauchen. Evermerge ist ein magisches Land, das mit jeder Entdeckung größer und besser wird. Werde ein Merge Master. Baue und sammle einzigartige Gegenstände oder verschönere deine eigene wundersame Welt. Im Land von Evermerge gibt es immer etwas zu tun. Evermerge. Jetzt kostenlos im App Store herunterladen. We'll see you in a second. Fans, real I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. So there we go. Welcome back uh, to the Chelsea Fancast Friday night preview show. I am, of course, Stanford Chidge, and of course, I have, as ever, the uh, wonderful Jonathan Kidd with me. Lovely to be on the show. And the uh, equally lovely Dean Mears. Yeah, lovely to be here. Uh, but now, as you all should know, it is time for this. The Opposition View. And I'm delighted to say, I mean, I, I feel quite quite privileged. I, I, I feel we've got somebody really serious and knowledgeable on tonight. You know, not, the, not that our other guests are not serious <laughs> and knowledgeable. But when I see something like, you know, Everton's official statistician, I have to say, Gavin, I'm hugely impressed. Welcome, Gavin Buckland. Thank, pleasure to be on. Thank you. Yeah, how are you? You well? I'm fine, thank you. Like everybody else, struggling a little bit at the moment with yeah. the restrictions, and um, it's been a best. Uh, you probably said a million times. It's a bit weird watching football and stuff in the current environment, but hopefully we can say you know a few, few people back at the grounds and. Let's hope there's a bit of light at the end of end of the tunnel here. You know. Yeah, totally right. I mean, we, we're lucky. We've we've been able. Well, funnily enough, Dean and Jonathan and have both been to the last couple of games. They've been letting 2,000 in at Stamford Bridge. I, I have wimped out so far, but uh, it's made a huge difference having supporters back, that's for sure. Um, first thing I want to talk to you really about, Gavin, is that we, we, we probably, although I, I should really wait to hear what you say, but I'm assuming that we, we all have an equal uh, love of Carlo Ancelotti because he is he is so loved by Chelsea fans to this day. And I'm intrigued to know what, what you guys up there think of him. I think Carlo Ancelotti is loved by everybody in football. Full stop, isn't he? He's a rare, he's a, he's that rare beast, isn't he? He's, he's an enormously popular guy, both with his fellow managers, players, and yeah. you know the media and stuff. He he's a you know he's just a very very nice man, um, and he's he's very urbane and he, he's but. He's obviously got that ruthless edge that he needs to be a top manager for what. He's what, a fabulous manager. Now. He's a fabulous yeah. manager as well. Great man yeah. manager. You can tell. You can tell they all want to play for him. You love it. You know. I'm. I'm afraid. I. I look at Everton uh, team with with joy actually because I, I honestly I just think you're playing so much better. You just go well, yeah, because it's it's him. He's got ideas. He's got. He just treats them in a wonderful signing in Rodriguez. Rodriguez. Yeah, brilliant. yeah. Quite brilliant. Would only have gone yeah. there because of him. You just got to take your hat off to the to the to the management from behind the scenes for me about how absolutely brilliant. Well, that, it's that's been. a good question, J.K., isn't it? Because a lot of people were surprised, and maybe this sounds like I'm not I'm not saying it to have a dig at Everton because you know they are a huge club and and a very successful club, and and rightly are often bracketed in the big six and all of that. But I think a lot of people were surprised that. A manager of uh, of Carlo's standing. I mean, he's like I think he's one of only five uh, managers to have won the Champions League twice as a manager, and he's won it as a player as well. There's only seven of those, so he's right up there. So I think it took yeah. it took 
the, the football world a little bit by surprise. I mean, were you surprised? Is it, sorry, it's after me. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, sorry. I, yeah, um, yes, I was. Um, purely for, for those reasons that you, you say. Um, that he's... I, th- I think what Bob Carlo is, and this is... I, I, I'll be quite honest with you. When he joined Everton, and, and I, I think it's... The, there's a few reservations is that he's obviously been a world-class manager, but is I think managers like footballers they have a they have a certain amount of time at the top, don't they? At some you know at some point you, your skills begin to slip a little bit. You have new managers, new tactics, all that type of thing come into the game, and you know we can think of there's probably three or four managers out there at the moment who are like that. And my feeling with Carlo was I fully embraced his CV and his, his ability and his popularity, as you're saying. But in terms of a manager that would be suitable for Everton, I'm still a little bit sort of 50-50, um, to be fair. I, I get, you know, one of the reasons he came is he's been offered an enormous salary, hasn't he, to be fair, you know, north <laughs> of nine million quid, which certainly helps. Um, not that he probably needs it, so that helps, doesn't it? I think, you know, he's obviously got a vision from being given the vision for the club. And in Carlo's defence, he doesn't need to come to Everton, does he? And I, I suspect, and this is why I'm confident a little bit, is Carlo's shown himself capable of managing in one scenario better than most other managers going, isn't it, really? It's coming into a big club, being able to massage the egos of the leading players for a few years, get top performances out, out of them, then move on. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's not going to happen as Everton, because Everton have got top players. Um, um, but I, I suspect within this, I think Carlo, and I think this is a good motivation, good motivational thing for him. I think he wants to prove that he can do it a different way. Yeah, a bit like Mourinho at Spurs, maybe. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think there's there's a um, there's a motivation. I think Mourinho's like this because he has got a few better players. But I, I do think there's maybe you know that that's one of the motivations, mm. you know, rather than the money. I don't think the money probably doesn't need it, Carlo. Um, do you think he's proving that? Because I think he's proving that. I, I think you're, they're, they're, they're playing terrifically. Well, uh, I mean, in and out, they're not recently. Perhaps they've been slightly off, uh, not, not up to the standard when they started this season. But uh, um, Calvert, Calvert-Lewin well, that, well, turned, that, that, turned that, him into a top player. That's a know? good segue, JK, because I was going to ask Gavin this as well, actually, because they, they were brilliant, weren't they, JK, at the beginning of the season? I think they, yeah, only lost, they, lost, they, they drew one and won seven or something like that. Yeah, but yeah. the form has tailed off. Gavin, what what what? Why is the form tailed off? Uh, I think there's a couple of things going on there. A few injuries. We've lost uh, we've lost both fullbacks, and as you well know, fullbacks are uh, you know let's face it, the key players on the pitch for yeah. those teams these yeah. days, aren't they? In terms yeah. of the tackling, you know, when we were there, you know, I say we're all probably in around the same age group. Years ago, fullbacks were fullbacks were cloggers with the you know, <laughs> you know. Um, now they're the most you know. The, they are the key attacking tool for a lot yeah, of teams. Yeah, yeah. Liverpool, haven't yeah. So we've lost both fullbacks. Hamez got injured. We've had disruption like everybody else with uh, international breaks. The Charleston was obviously out for three games after the derby. And I think you can build momentum, can't you, with yeah. the start at 11. And I think once that starts breaking up with Everton, unlike Chelsea, you've got a lot of strength and depth. We haven't got that strength and depth, you know. And so consequence, we're, we're suffering a little bit. Yeah. Um, and momentum's a great thing, isn't it? You've got at the moment is the 17 games unbeaten, stuff like that. Um, momentum's a great thing, and we've lost that, and we need to get it back. I mean, and what I'm hoping is, in a strange way, is some of our players are better suited, like Richarlison, like Ante Gomez plays, against the better teams, we give them more space, mm. you know. Um, and I think that's the reason. There's a comb- like a lot of things, there's a combination of these. Also, as well as I think with Rodriguez is team, uh, teams come. I can't say he's been worked out, but teams are better can settle better now than when he first joined the league. You know, pe- people say how oh, Carlo will want him to play, and we'll 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 um, we'll, we'll put in countermeasures, um, and but that also opens up the field for other players to take advantage of that space and and, and not being picked up. Um, so, in answer to your question, a lot of reasons. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, I mean, yeah, actually. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned. I mean, it's you know, James or, or James as we prefer to call him in England. Yeah. You know, was a player that apparently Chelsea coveted a long time ago, and I was very intrigued to see him go to Everton. Obviously, there's the you know the existing Carlo 
connection. Of course, um, James or James, Dean and Delph and Coleman are all out tomorrow, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As I say, um, Delph is just well. We know Delph's injury record <laughs> going back to Manchester City's days. He did, he did his hamstring at Burnley, yeah. Mm. Both fullbacks are out. Um, Dean is for a long-term injury. Um, and as you say, Hammer's not playing is a big, big blow uh, for us. Um, and it's a bit of a shame, really, because he's, he has gone off the ball a bit. He, has, he hasn't been 100% fit, I don't think, ever since he came to England, to be fair. And a lot of our supporters, you know, have been dying to see him, yeah. you know. And the first game, he left supporters in the goodness and he's injured. You know? <laughs> well, he's so uh, slow, isn't it? Typical. So typical. Yeah, um, um, but he's fast. I mean, you might not have them, Gavin, but you do have Calvert-Lewin. I mean, Jonathan, I think, is hugely impressed with Calvert-Lewin, aren't you, JK? I think he's great, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It turned into a really terrific player um, this season. He just seems to have been, uh, come on, leaps and bounds. And his leaping and bounding is something that he does really well. Literally you know? and metaphorically, mate. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, he hangs in the air a lot. I just think he's a terrific player. Um, but I think you're absolutely right about the fullbacks. I think it's so important now. That because they need to he he feeds off that kind of thing fantastically, and uh, if they're not whipping the balls in, I mean we've got the same problem with well it's a problem it's not really a problem it's it's Aspilaqueta wonderful great servant brilliant defender can't cross at all whereas whereas um, uh, Reese James gets the ball and it, he whips in those those uh, um, Rob, Robertsonian those Robert Robertson crosses that live from Liverpool I think that's that's one of the reasons Liverpool as well have been so successful is because both fullbacks are just are are machines back in defense and back up again as you say really impossible well not really impossible it's really tricky to try and get that combination of terrific defender and wonderful going forward because normally they're, they're not they're either one of the two so if you get somebody who does them does it both and i think your yeah. your fullbacks are uh, uh who are injured are terrific and, uh, yeah. and I think they were they were serving him really well. That so I, it's interesting to see how he how he copes when he's not getting the service. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a good point. It's a good point you say about people who come in can't cross because we've had a ball be playing wide right, and uh, always crossing hasn't been great at all. Yeah, There's a mark lack yeah. of quality there, you know. Um, and there is there is um, there is that issue. I think. Well, Cavalier, he's, he's, he's I think he's got twenty one since Carlo came or. 21 goals in 34 games. I think. Very, very good. Last night, his, his last uh, last 19 goals, 17 of them one touch finishes, which is which is great in terms of you know he's, he's attacking space in the six yard box. You know you see a lot of his goals are either headers or the ball's played in from the byline. He comes in, slides in, and scores. You know, a bit he like, does like, the he does that thing that I wish Abraham would do more, which he anticipates. He's really good at anticipating. Yeah. So he, consequently, he scores a goal practically on the goal line. But nonetheless, it's it, otherwise, the ball will go out for a goal kick. You know the number of times you see that happening in in, uh, in Premier League football, where somebody runs, you think, "Why haven't they been practicing this?" You know that's where the ball's going to end up. I tell you, who's good at that. Giroud's very good at dealing with that. That's one of the things he's learned. He's always flinging yeah. himself in. But as with Calvert-Lewin, you know, Calvert-Lewin was up until twelve months ago. I would I often compare Tammy Abraham and uh, Calvert-Lewin in terms of of, of, of what you're saying. Calvert-Lewin has learned to do that. As you say, it looks so you're just being lucky or just a simple yeah, tapping. Yeah, like, no. You've done the hard work by that by that stage, haven't you? No. And I think I think Calvert Lewin, I, I really like him. I think what he's got to you know to be really develop into a top class player is it's it, it's like sc- score your own goals. It's a bit like Harry, you know, Caddy Kane's obviously a top class centre forward. He'll yeah, score yeah. his own goals, won't he? Where he'll pick the ball up, say outside the penalty area, 20, 25 yards out. Maybe yeah, pass the yeah. play and kill it. Yeah, Calvert Lewin hasn't got that in his locker, and that's something you can you, you can develop as a player. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I think that there's still a lot of a lot of work to be done there. But I'm impressed by, as I say, over the last twelve months, the way he has learned that because 12, he's scoring goals now. That twelve eighteen months ago he wasn't scoring, where the ball would be pulled back from the byline, he'd had a penalty spot. Now he's in the six yard box, you know. Mm. And I think. Uh, yeah, he, he, he'd be one to fear tomorrow. I think if I was Chelsea, um, to be fair. and I, I know you've got, I think Zuma's and Thiago Silva and at the back, uh, he'll be he'll be the one to fear because he's he's on a real hot streak at the moment. No, he's on one of them hot, yeah, he's on one of them hot streaks that you know, you know when it's like a on a hot streak and it all suddenly becomes the norm. 
Yeah, no, he's he's a good player, he's Gavin. He's a good player, and, and you're right. I think he is he is the main threat to us. Um, on the other side of the coin, um, I mean, you know, we're, we're I mean, actually, I, I thought we we defended against Kane and Son very well the other week, but it, it in a sense it came at the expense of our attack. Although again, Spurs defended very well. Um, we are and will continue, I think, to cause teams a lot of problems this season because we've got a lot of players who can unpick the lock, which we didn't really have last season. And, of course, uh, we've got England's number one in goal. I mean, I, personally, I quite like Pickford, but, you know, he's getting a lot of stick at the moment at Everton. I mean, where, where do you where do you sit on the Pick, Pickford debate? The Pickford? Well, this week, we could do a whole podcast on this. One, really. <laughs> you said, you said, I mean, to be fair, what I'd say about Pickford is... Um, I want to say, I'm having to say, I've got lots of things to say. I'm trying to, I was supposed to say first. I think what I'd say, he's been okay last few games. I think Pickford's problem is one of concentration. Hmm. I think he's a great goalkeeper when he's busy. Um, I think when he's not busy, I think his mind wanders. Um, and it's noticeable that his two best seasons that he's had in the Premier League was his last season at Sunderland when he got relegated and his first season at Everton maybe a sort of bottom half of the table for most of the campaign. They got rid of Coombe and brought Alibis in and stuff. And he was our player of the season because he was kept busy all year. In a better team where he's not being active, I think he's prone to lapses in concentration. You know, you know that 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 mental state you need to get yourself into as a goalkeeper. I mean, I was so I was listening to Neville Southall, obviously the greatest goalkeeper I've seen. And he was saying, goalkeeping is 10% actually doing the goalkeeping and 90% of it's concentration. And and I think Pickford at the 10% is is great. It's the 90% bit, the concentration bit. And that, that can that can manifest itself in, in things like, well, we've seen it, haven't it? Stupid challenges, yeah. dropping the ball, you know, not saving what he should save. Um, where you're thinking, he's just late there or he's not picked that up or or both even, you know, and he, he does strike it as being, well, you've watched him, haven't you? He does strike it, he's got that little bit of hyperactivity, hasn't he, yeah. in terms of, he, he buzzes around and so he doesn't ever look in certain situations that he's calm and that's what that's what he wants as a keeper, isn't it? If you're a defender, you want your keeper to be calm and I often wonder whether that impacts on defenders in front of him, you know? No, well, we thought with that thing that was the case with Kepper. We found that they, I think he was freaking out all the uh, all the defenders around him. <laughs> he definitely yeah. spooked them. They even shouted at him. Anyway, look, we better get on with the, the match tomorrow, Gavin. Um, I know, I know you're you're Everton's official stat man, and I'm sure you'll tell me that I think Chelsea haven't beaten you in four visits to Goodison Park or something like that. I've got a couple for you that you're going to love. Yeah, right? oh, no, 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 you'll love this. Um, so apparently Chelsea have won more games in all competitions against Everton than any other club. 73 games. We've scored more goals against Everton than any other side, 290. So there you go. How about that for two two starters? Yeah, I'll leave now if you want. I have to fess up, Gavin. I am the worst stats man in the universe, as these boys will right, testify. Right, okay. well, I mean, this, that, the whole podcast has been building up to that, 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 that hasn't it? You know? <laughs> yes. But I, I'll say, I'll say, there's probably, you know, there's a lot of clubs. Our record, our record at the start of the Premier League was great against you know the big clubs, you know. Um, but since then, it's deteriorated for lots of reasons. Um, but I, I'll, I'll say I'll counter that <laughs> by saying, <laughs> yeah, I think I think the last fourteen meetings, Goodison, we've won eight. Yeah. Tomorrow we could win three on the bounce against Chelsea yeah. Goodison in all competitions for the first time since 1973. Uh, and, I, and I've seen I've seen Everton beat Chelsea six 0 uh, seventy eight and Bob Latchford, yeah. two goals yeah yeah and and I've seen us go top of the table by beating Chelsea at Stamford yeah. Bridge in nineteen eighty seven so we we could play this but, game yeah, all night couldn't we <laughs> <laughs> can, can I just say from a, I I loved the uh, the side that had Joe Royal in it and I loved the side that, I loved Royal as a, a centre forward yeah, I loved yeah. it, flinging himself at the ball at near near post headers into the goal you just thought oh wow what a what a great yeah. player. And um, I bizarrely played in a, um, a charity game um, with Norman Hunter. Um, oh, next to me. Who, who I'd, yeah, who I indeed. But I, I'd hated him because he was obviously Leeds playing. He kicked <laughs> Chelsea fans. But he was absolutely charming and lovely to me. As Joe Roy, this was at Bristol City. Joe Roy, because he was working on the staff at the time. And Joe Roy was manager at, at, um, at uh, um, I can't remember the name of the ground, at um, 
uh, at, at Bristol City, and he was absolutely lovely. And I so love it when your idols are just, you know, great guys. You just, yeah. it, it's so, because some footballers you go up and say, excuse me, you're one of my favourite players, and they just look you up and down and tell you to fuck off, you know. Whereas <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. whereas this is he was absolutely <laughs> fabulous. But then, then correspondingly, the uh, the side Sheedy, I thought Sheedy was a wonderful player. Oh, my yeah. God. You're getting yeah. all misty-eyed, JK. Oh, Get wow. a handkerchief. I'll, Wow. I'll be crying in a minute. Say, <laughs> say, 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 <laughs> I like good football. I'm like that. You know, I just like... I'll say that to me. I mean, the Chelsea team of the late 60s, 80s, 70s. Yeah, yeah. That's when I first started watching football. Yeah, they, yeah. They, were, they were a great team, weren't they? Yeah, um, oh, wow. And obviously, yeah, yeah. obviously yeah. I, I like the mid-80s team as well. Mm. You know, it's speedy yeah. and... Uh, yeah. I mean, in the mid-80s... In the mid eighties, when we had that great team on the Howard Chelsea, the team we always struggled against. Four three, four three. Gordon Davies hat trick. Yeah, eighty four. Yeah, yeah. He got a touch with Gordon a while back by somebody. He wanted the video to have the video of the game. You know, scoring a hat against the championship and it's a yeah. great thing. But yeah. Everton didn't have the video. Yeah. Uh, but Gordon was a great goal poacher. You know, oh yeah, he was. He was I mean, so lucky that Ian Rush was playing for Wales at the time. He would have won a lot more yeah, caps. Very he, true. Was, he was top notch. Very, very and true. And Kenny Dixon was a great goalkeeper yeah. as well, wasn't he? Yeah. You know? A big friend yeah, of our show he is too, uh, is Kerry, and we love him to bits. Right, right, Gavin. Um, I think the, 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 the final question really has to be, how do you see it going tomorrow and what, what do you reckon the result's going to be? <laughs> Easy well, ones last. This is the second time I've been asked this question because a podcast for the Echo, uh, which is obviously all evidence, so it's a slightly different, you know, view of things. You know, so we are asked for our view today, and you can't. It's it's not it's not a done thing to say we're going to get these at the end. No, of the no, day. I, podcast, I agree. You can never know. say we, that. We Absolutely. never do. We never, never have, do. We're never honest, Gavin. Well, I did the other day, and you got annoyed with me, didn't I? Because I said <laughs> yeah. we lose two nil to Cross in the Dar. I said two nil, <laughs> and he went, "What? <laughs> what? You're barred." So, you got so in the in the end you just you know when in doubt I always say one all you know when I know we're going to get the say one all you know <laughs> make it look good uh, but now now I'm on a Chelsea podcast amongst Chelsea friends um, I, I've got I can't see anything but Chelsea win yeah. I think it'd be a really tough night for Everton mm. I like Chelsea I like the way they play I think uh, Frank after a difficult start to the season let's and there's a few people you know we were sort of having a go with them um, three 0 down at West Brom and all that. Um, has has done a really good job, great strength in depth, um, going places, and the type of team. I mean, our back four is hopeless at the moment. To say, but the no full backs and stuff, and your pace and ingenuity up front. Chido's always got a goal against us as well. He's on a rich vein of form as well. So after all that, Evan are going to win. No, <laughs> I think I think I can't. I'm going to say I'm going to say uh, Chelsea two nil. Okay, well. And, yeah. Very magnanimous of you, Gavin, and, and very lovely, very lovely of you to turn up and talk to us a lot on a Friday night. We really appreciate it. You've been you've been really brilliant. It's been lovely to talk to somebody as passionate about Everton, but also as knowledgeable about them as well. So thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Like I said, that was brilliant. Great, uh, great to do it. Brilliant. Great stuff. Best of luck for the rest of the season as well. And, and for yeah. you too, but obviously not yeah, tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And in the return game, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, we, we we might see you again then, Gavin. We'd, yeah, yeah, we'd, we'd love we'll that. Do. All right, brilliant stuff. Take, Take care, care, mate. Thank you. Cheers, Gavin. Cheers, Cheers, Cheers. All the best. Keep well. All the best. Bye bye. Brilliant. I'm so much fun, isn't it? That's the lovely Gavin Buckland, who, as I said, is the um, official uh, Everton statistician. And uh, what a lovely chap, J.K. Oh wow! But you, everybody we get on here is lovely. Uh, it's it's down to you, isn't it? Do you, you, you put them through some kind of um, human resources screening? Yeah, they have to go to boot. They have to go to Chelsea boot camp, mate. Oh, is that what it is? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, we're get, the Chelsea get, boot boys, and we're running beat. after you, Chelsea. They get, they get beaten up a bit, do they? Get no, chased? I'm a lover, not a fighter. You know me. Um, know anyway, um, that was brilliant. Really enjoyed that. I do love the opposition views. Now, uh, in a minute, we're going to have a quick break, and then in a minute, we're going to come back, and we're going to give you our view. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea Football Fancast.com. Right, welcome back. This, of course, is the Chelsea Fancast's 
preview show if the Guinness doesn't repeat on me as it's beginning to, um, which of course we do on a Friday night before the the weekend matches. Honestly, Guinness and the, the soup that I've had are not a very good combination, I have to say. For those uh, you know who are into oat cuisine, don't have Guinness after. Um, I can't even remember what the soup was. It was green and it had arico beans in it or something. But anyway, whatever. Right, time for the real uh, main course, in fact. We've had the hors d'oeuvres. It's now time for the main course. It's what we think about the uh, Chelsea-Everton match tomorrow, or the Everton-Chelsea match, should I say. And, of course, we've got the lovely Dean Mears and the lovely Jonathan Kidd tonight Ooh. with me. Indeed. Now, I think the first thing, boys, <clears throat> and actually Gavin alluded to it, uh, didn't he? You know, Mr. Mr. Everton statistician. Um we're on a really wonderful, wonderful uh, run of form at the moment. Uh, 17 uh, unbeaten in all competitions since... Well, it's actually 18 games unbeaten if you, like I like, like Jose Mourinho, like myself, don't include losing on penalties to anybody. So it's 18 games unbeaten in all competitions. The last time we lost was to Liverpool, uh, the second game of the season. So I think the first thing is, can we keep the run going? And I, and I think Gavin also made a good point about momentum, JK. Uh, we is on some sort of momentum at the moment, aren't we? Yes, um, I think um, uh, I think Werner is, is essential to this because I think he's completely superb, despite his missing the odd nailed-on goal. Um, I love the. Uh, I'll just mention the Krasnodar game briefly. His his little cameo at the end when he suddenly just ran at everybody and was right in the penalty area within seconds. You just go. This guy is such a great player. So I think I think if we can, uh, he looks a, a you know a, a, a fit fighting machine. If we can keep him going, I think any other combination of people around him, um, uh, which appears to be uh, who are available and fit, will will work up front. And I think uh, Pulisic had a bit of a, a scare, didn't he, after the training? So they they. They, 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 I think he's in the squad, but I think he's still got a slightly dodgy hamstring, which is such a shame because he's coming back to form. Um, and uh, Zayech, I think, won't be won't be available because of his hamstring. They're they're obviously running so much; they keep having hamstring injuries, don't they? But um, I um, I think if the defence is firm, and uh, I can't see it not being, and both fullbacks are, are are there, that's a it almost. Well, what can I say? I think I think everybody is playing so well. Kante is playing out of his skin, um, and it's just and, and Gilmore had a decent game. So you just think, well, if any of the reserves can step up, uh, and the reserves have done pretty well in the in the uh, the two European games. So you think, well, the squad is is really deep. I, I'm you know I, I'm, I, my my optimism hasn't been changed at all, hasn't? But but I I think we'll I think we'll win easily, and I think we'll win nearly every game by a large number you know the 24 shots that we had in the other day were just to me symptomatic of of how completely in charge we are of these situations and it doesn't matter if we score we need to score I just think some team is going to get absolutely whacked I think you said that the other day Chid but yeah from a momentum point of view I I I think you get a couple of injuries we'd still maintain the momentum I just think we're we're completely phenomenal at the moment. Well, we are. And I mean, I think the Krasnodar game is a bit of an outlier considering he changed the entire team and we had the second string out very much so. Now, yeah. we were talking a minute ago with Gavin, weren't we, Dean? And and he, he, funnily enough, he brought up two matches that I was thinking of, thinking about, you know, matches in the past up at Goodison Park. It's a proper old match, uh, Everton versus Chelsea, proper old stadium, of course, as we know. Um, and, you know, he mentioned the 6-0, which I don't really remember, to be honest. And I know you weren't even born then, Dean. Uh, I remember the three, the, the four three, uh, when Gordon Davis scored the hat trick. Although I wasn't there, I think a lot of us will remember the the mental six three that happened uh, when Costa ran riot, literally and metaphorically, up at, up at Goodison Park, winding them all up. I mean, that was one of the most mental games I've I've seen in years. But I tell you what, there's one other game up at Everton that I remember, but for very different reasons, and that was in in May 2011 when we lost 1-0, uh, and that was the match that the biscuit seller, uh, also known as Ron Gourlay, uh, fired Carlo Ancelotti in a tunnel. Do you remember that, Dean? Yeah, I remember the um, sort of news coming out straight after the game that he'd been sacked, and I think Chelsea always disputed that he was sacked in the tunnel. Um, but yeah, it's a bit of a shock that, you know, after winning the double, that Carlo's reign ended on, on such a whimper that second season. You know, so many things happened. You know, Ray Wilkins being sacked halfway through, 
we had that dreadful run of form um, in the middle of the year. And yet we came second. We still came second. You know, the first manager to win the double at the club. You know, we still felt like they were still reaching their pinnacle because they did the following season, obviously, um, in that Champions League. Um, yeah, not um, always been a happy place for us, Goodison. Um, yeah, it's going to be another tough game, I think, tomorrow. It will, it will. I mean, it's just interesting, isn't it? The, the legacy of Carlo. He, he I, when I we were saying earlier, I think he, he's still very much loved by Chelsea supporters, not least because the way he was dumped out. But he was such such a lovely man. Lovely quote from Frank that I've dug out, chaps, uh, on what he thinks of Carlo, and he says, "I won't do a Frank Lampard accent. I haven't quite mastered it yet." But he said, "I was heavily influenced by him as a player and a man." He's right at the top of the managers I've worked with. He's had huge success working at various clubs and he was a great coach, a great man. I look forward to seeing him, which I think tells yeah. you everything you need to know about Carlos. It's going to be interesting for Frank. You know. And about Frank as well, Chidge, I think. It's a lovely thing to say. It says a lot about Frank as well. But he's a lovely guy, mate, and he's a proper football man. And I think that's the point. Carlo Ancelotti is a proper football man. Saw a hilarious clip because, of course, you know Paolo Rossi died. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, I think it was yesterday. Um and uh, they were showing clips of the classic, um, you know, Brazil. Actually, I could be talking real arse here. Could, I could be getting confused with the fact I watched the Diego Maradona film the other day. But either way, there was some footage of Italy playing that had a, a very young-looking Carlo. Well, I say young. He still looked like he had grey hair when he was about 25 playing for Italy. <laughs> but uh, what He a looked lot... a bit of a hatchet man, didn't he, Chidge? I always felt. He, he was a good player, though. Doughty yeah. is how I would yeah. describe him. Yeah. You know. They had some great players in that. Costa Curta, remember him? They're great players, and also their celebrations were always so wonderful. Tardelli in the 82 yeah. final, of course, and uh, yeah. Gentile, the assassin, who would who would tweak your nipples really hard, surreptitiously. I'd, so have, li- were... I'd have liked that, though. I wouldn't have had I know. a problem. I remember Graham Lasso telling me about He was marked by Gentile once, and he said it was just... They did all these things. He was very young, and never seen anything like it, and they, they had every trick in the book, and always out of the view of the referee. Dirty, very dirty. Anyway, um, JK was talking about um, who we might play tomorrow, uh, Dean. And I know you and I talked about it a little bit, didn't we, up front. But I think it's interesting. I mean, I think the defence clearly picks itself. Uh, the midfield, for all intents and purposes, picks itself. I mean, there's a, you know, it's basically Mount and Kante plus either Havertz or, or, or uh, Kovacic, depending on how fit and ready Havertz is. But I... I I wonder if things might have been changed slightly by the fact that we know that uh, Hudson-Odoi is out. We know that, more importantly, we know that Ziyech is out. And we know that there's also a doubt about the fitness of Pulisic. So I think a lot will depend on, you know, how fit Pulisic is. Because if we're down, we're down on the bare bones of wingers, as Harry Redknapp might say. That means Werner, I think, is absolutely nailed on to start on the left so it's going to be interesting to see who starts on the right. Now, if he's fit, Pulisic, you would say. If he's not fit, then I think it's going to be interesting because Havertz played there against Krasnodar and we know he can play wide. But there's a case to be made for Andrew in getting a start, isn't there? Yeah, I think for me, Werner was always going to play on the wing regardless of Pulisic's fitness. I think you know, he works better with a striker up front to play off and that's going to be Giroud. Um, you know, Andrew had a good game against uh, Krasnodar coming in the Premier League's, you know, a little bit different. And I think, you know, it's Pulisic or Havertz for me to play on the wing. You know, I think Mount's going to play in that midfield with Kovacic, yeah, regardless yeah. of... Um, so no Pulisic Havertz then? Yeah, I think Havertz has played, obviously, Leeds and Krasnodar, the only player to play both games. And he got... Um, got bypassed a bit in the Leeds game. You know, they, they made him look lazy. He's not a lazy player, but they made him look lazy. He's a stroller, isn't he? He is. I mean that in a positive way. But he, yeah. he, he looks... It's a, I'll, I'll bring up a cricket analogy. He looks like David Gower batted. Yes, Jonathan? Yes. Languorous. Languid. Languorous yeah. is good. I like that. That's better. Languorous yeah. it is. But yeah, sorry, Dean. You know, he made him. they made him look lazy, which I think is a really good point because he's not. Yeah, because they put sort of three Sorry, players on him. Sorry, yeah, three players on every touch he had of the ball, and because of that, you know, he wasn't able to get into his rhythm. And you know, when Kovacic came on in that Leeds game, you know, he he looked fantastic because he was doing the things that Havertz wasn't doing. And I think that's one of the reasons why Havertz played further forward against uh, Krasnodar midweek, you know, to put Kovacic back in that midfield. And I think he was going to start this Everton game 
Well, I think. Uh, go on, JK. Sorry, no, go I on. Say, I think I think Havertz um, can get stuck in, but I think you're right. Kovacic is a is a a, a, a slightly bigger uh, unit, um, and doesn't have the skills that Havertz has got, but uh, fitted in the Leeds game for that very reason. You're absolutely right, Dean. I was bemused by the well. Uh, I was actually pleased because when when three players are on one player in the first half, you think they're not going to manage this in the second half. They'll be completely knackered. I mean, their fitness levels were great, but uh, they still faded away, which was kind of inevitable. But they managed to stop Havertz from playing completely. And I thought, um, just to briefly talk about the Krasnodar game, he, he, he had some great flashes and you really saw what a skillful player he is in the Krasnodar game. Um, so I think, yeah, I think you're right, Chidge. If, if, uh, if Pulisic is a doubt. Um, I think Avertz could easily play right wing. And I think I was intrigued watching Werner more. Uh, Werner plays left wing, but comes into the middle a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's almost as if he's given a free reign to take that role up. But I, I, as I keep saying, you know, I think he can miss three goals and then he'll just do something phenomenal and either set somebody up or score a wonder goal. He's that kind of player, Werner. Become absolutely mm. fantastic class. Well, if, if, as we say, Pulisic is a doubt... And, you know, Frank was saying in the press this week, he's got to be really careful how he manages him. There's a good chance, you know, what we do with Pulisic is we use him as an impact player to come on because, of course, he's a great impact player. So Havertz goes right. I'll get to who's going to start up front in a minute. But that obviously leaves a gap in midfield. So I was wondering whether Kante and Mount, obviously. Um, Kovacic, yes. But, I mean, Billy Gilmore, maybe. Yes. What do you reckon, Dean? Yeah, I think the the beauty that Frank's got at the moment is that any player that he picks in that midfield can do a job, and he's not sort of filling places anymore. He's putting in first team quality players, and you know that's what's so fantastic about this this group of players. Because he, 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 he ran Everton ragged the last time he played them, didn't he? Man of the match in the four 0 Yeah, absolutely, and you know he's first team quality. He's not um, a dud squad player. He's worthy to be on the pitch if he if he's chosen, mm. and that's what makes his team so exciting. I've been very impressed also by the way they all play 4-3-3 so well. I think the Wren game was an example of that with all the changes, and yet they all slap the ball about to each other without any problem with great speed. And you think they're all practising this. You can fit them in. As you say, I think Gilmore could play with ease in that position. And I thought Andrew, I thought Andrew, he was, I thought he was a bit, you know, he had a, a terrific debut playing the whole game I think he just could have taken a few players on a bit more which apparently he does a lot more in the uh, um, in the what is it under 23s he's uh, yeah, well, he's much more um, uh, that's his skill and he did that thing where they, they which, which Adore is guilty of they get a bit nervous you can just see it and they'll they'll hold the ball up and then just play it safely pa- pass it's, it to one of the bigger players yeah it's a safe thing <laughs> it's that a they school do. thing isn't it remember yeah, that yeah yeah completely well you also pass it to the player who said to you oi you pass the well, ball to me well i was gonna say you pass it to the you pass it to the bigger player at school because if you didn't he'd thump you exactly so maybe exactly. there's a bit of that um yeah. all right so look we got have we, we think maybe Havertz on the right definitely Werner on the left so that leaves up front um uh, tammy or, or Giroud, jk oh well it have to be Giroud for me mm-hmm have Great record up. against Everton, scored six in seven games against them. Yeah, no, well, no, no, not only that, he's on fire, uh, playing absolutely. On fur. Well. And yeah, hey, well said, on Chief. Fur. Oh, you are so. Oh wow, brilliant. <laughs> um, we, I said, oh, we. I couldn't help. <laughs> we. Um, um, but uh, 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 am I the only person to say that I was very disappointed by Abraham during the week? Who I, I, I just couldn't get it. I didn't know. I, you've got these opportunities to to play and I just similarly with Emerson I thought Emerson was terrible oh you know well for goodness sake you know you take three corners you hit the first man every time come on because he learned from William mate well uh, but uh, you know these are opportunities for these guys you know to show that you know think they'd be going hey I'm being selected for the European game fantastic I'll really make an effort well I'm going to lob a theory back to you as we were talking about schoolboy football all right because yeah. um you know I was rubbish at football basically but um when I when I didn't you were get... a hard man, Chidge, you said. That's because I was shit and I couldn't do anything else. Oh, but when, when, right. I, when I... I was also quite small for my age, which, is, which accounted for my rather psychopathic mentality on a football pitch. But when I didn't get selected for the first team, I'd quite often get dropped down. We didn't really have, like, second teams. You just get dropped down a year yes. in age. So 
and the expectation was was that I mean I wasn't as bad as I'm 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 making out to be, but the expectation was that I would be one of the best players on the pitch because I was playing against younger kids. Yeah. And actually, invariably, what would happen with me is I would go, I would play down to their level. Yes. And I and I mean I don't know what that is. It's possibly a psychological thing. Who knows? But I wouldn't be surprised if there there, there is a psychological element to everything that we do, especially in sport. So you know, I, I was saying to Dean earlier on about the Krasnodar game that. You know, they knew it was a meaningless match. There was nothing yeah, to prove. Right. They'd already qualified. So maybe they just they just did what they had to do, which was enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They didn't because you look at you look at say that I, I had the same situation when I played in a lower lower down and I scored five goals. Yeah, well, you, know, you found your level, mate. I did entirely. <laughs> I, was, I asked if I could play at that level every week from then on. You had to and play with Martin Levy, which is quite frightening. <laughs> I don't think I ever did rugby, possibly, yeah. but not even not more that. frightening if Doctor Moss. Very frightening, it. much bigger than me at the time. So, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, J.K. is uh, uh, Oli Giroud's number one fanboy, as we know. Dean, what about you? Yeah, he's got to be Oliver Giroud for yeah. me as well. Yeah. You know, he's in such good form, and you know, as J.K. said, Tammy was so disappointed midweek, and although it was a meaningless game, you know, when you've got your competition scoring four goals in one game, you've got to. Yeah. You know, you've got to prove something to the manager to say, yeah. no, it's not a straightforward yeah, choice. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to be too down on Tammy. I mean, Tammy's, you know, he, he is still young in striker terms and he is still learning. I thought it was really interesting what uh, Gavin Buckland was saying about Calvert-Lewin. And because I was when I was looking at some of the old matches that, uh, you know, the recent matches that we played uh, against Everton, you know, Calvert-Lewin's been there for four, four, five years. I mean, he's young, but he's been there. He, he broke through early and he's been there for a few years. It's only really, I think, last season that he really broke through and started to look a good player. And this season, he's beginning to look an exceptionally good player. So, you know, Tammy's only had one full season in the Premier League. You know, he's still learning and he is improving. But, you know, he's not going to be a world-class striker like I believe, actually, Oliver Giroud, Olivier Giroud is quite yet but he may well be so i think we just have to be patient with him right time to uh, put our colors uh, nail our colors to the mast uh, and i'm going to ask you first dino what are you saying for the result i think it's going to be the game where it sort of clicks again for us and, and Werner gets his goals so 4-1 4-1 woof blimey big big call there dino jk 5-0 <laughs> I, I, have you have you put that in the Prem Predictions League? No. What have you put in the Prem Predictions League? I didn't realise all these players were out. You know, according speaking to Gavin. Yeah. Do I, you put hope, three, do you... I put three nil in the in the prediction, yeah. but I think I think it will be. I think they've got far too many players out. I think we'll um, yeah. we'll take them to the cleaners. I watched them in the second half against Fulham uh, the other day, and they were absolutely dreadful. They weren't that good against Burnley either. No. Got lucky, I think. I mean, I've gone I've gone three one. And I've done that in the Prem predictions too. And I've just seen that Daryl's also gone in Mixler. Because I've forgot to mention the Mixler people tonight. I've got a few people in Mixler listening to the show live. Daryl has gone uh, 3-1 as well in Premier predictions. So Daryl and I are doing rubbish at Prem predictions. So that bodes very badly for us. But hopefully not for Chelsea. 3-1 because I'm with you, JK. Uh, They've got uh, some really key players out. Having Rodriguez out is not good for them. Um, we're on great form, you know. Um, I, I don't know why I keep predicting that we'll get one goal against us, but you know, having seen, you know, that goal we conceded against Leeds, you know, we can concede goals. There's no doubt about that. But yes. I'm sticking with three-one. I'm going three-one. J.K.'s going five-nil. Dean's going four-one. So let's hope one of those results, because uh, they can't all happen. So let's hope one of them does, and we do win. Now, that's pretty much all we've got time for this week, apart from a very important announcement. As you remember from listening to possibly the Monday night show, we got together with the Art of Football, uh, or the at art underscore of underscore football, who make, on Twitter, who make some fantastic things like brilliant, brilliant prints, Chelsea-related prints, and great Chelsea-related T-shirts. Anyway, we partnered up with them, did a bit of a competition on Twitter, and uh, I picked out a winner last night. And the winner, I'm delighted to say, is a very long-term, long-time listener to the show, Patrick Moen-Lisk, uh, who's uh, from Massachusetts. And Pat's a great guy. Uh, I have quite a lot of interaction with him, interaction with him on Twitter. Uh, and I'm really delighted he won. And he's chosen a fantastic print of the Shed End. So there you go. So uh, no doubt Art of Football will be getting in touch with him and sending it off to him. So thank you to Art of Football. Well done, Patrick, and congratulations. Right, 
Uh, as I said, that's all we've got time for this week. Uh, we will be back again. Well, I say we. Me and JK will be back with Tony Glover and Dane Whittle on Monday night to talk about the Everton match, obviously, and the forthcoming Wolves match. We've got an, another Premier League match on the Tuesday night. So <clears throat> we'll talk about that as well. I might even try and get uh, a Wolves fan on for a bit of an opposition view on the Monday show. Would you like that, JK? Love it. Love it, Chidge. Yeah, so there we go. We'll try and do that. Uh, and anyway, so hopefully you'll all be back to listen to that. And of course, we'll be back on the Friday night with another preview show, as we always do. But until then, uh, thank you very much, JK. Lovely to be on the show. Love to be on with Dean. Thank you. And thank you for allowing me to be 15 minutes No, late. that's all right. It was for a good cause, I know. Uh, Dino, always lovely to see you, mate. Uh, you got another um, uh, Went to Mo King's Meadow coming out next Tuesday, have you? Or is it going to be interrupted by the game? I know the game's um, Wednesday, so we'll still record Tuesday and, and have that um, ready to go. Right. But, uh, how, what, aren't you going to watch the Wolves game? Good multitask. We record early, so we're, um, okay, right, we're done right. before that. Okay, well, if I'm not completely mullered after the Wolves game, I'll endeavour to put it up on Tuesday night, but I'll, I'll do my best. But uh, any, anything any, anything we need to know about next week's show for you, the, 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 the Went to Mo King's Meadow show? Any guests that we might like to know about? Uh, we're going guestless next week. We're going to celebrate. Yeah, we're going to celebrate Frank Kirby's um, breaking the goal scoring record. Great. Um, Magda Eriksson, 100 appearances, the captain. So we're going to do a bit of a celebration on those two players. Good. Excellent stuff. Good work. And keep it up, mate. It's, it's People are listening to it. It's, it's a good show. So well done. All right, we got to go. Things to do, people to see. Uh, thank you for the Mixler people, as always, for joining us. And thank you for the podcast listeners, too. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chills. Up the chills! Podcasts, die wir lieben. Es ist nicht alles gay, was glänzt. Oder doch? Das klären wir jetzt in Busenfreundin, der Podcast. Hey Leute, mein Name ist Ricarda. Ich bin Comedy-Autorin und die Stimme des LGBTIQ-Podcasts Busenfreundin. Und ich treffe jede Woche spannende Menschen und spreche mit ihnen über alles, was die queere Szene bewegt. Bei Busenfreundin gibt es Unterhaltung gepaart mit Haltung. Oft. Also nicht immer. Denn manchmal schweife ich auch ab, zum Beispiel mit Leuten wie Riccardo Simonetti, Sarah Kuttner und vielen, vielen mehr. Also schaltet jetzt ein zu Busenfreundin, eurem Lieblings-LGBTIQ-Infotainment-Podcast. Bei Acast finden die besten Podcasts aus aller Welt ein Zuhause. Abonniere diese Show oder finde weitere spannende Podcasts bei Acast oder wo immer du Podcasts hörst. 